And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Donna Dort Donna Dort Donna Dort This is Lee Dort and I'm Donna Dunk This is Lee Dort and I'm Donna Dort I'm Josh Giddy and I'm down to dunk Hey, this is Kenny Hustle and I'm down to dunk I'm Darius Baisley and I'm down to dunk I'm Mike Muscala and I'm down to dunk this is Poku, and I'm down to down. I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cracklin' Oat Brand. Oh, I can have these. I'm going to share with my team, but I'm a hog most of them. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Wednesdays is my good friend Alex Spears. Alex, oh, what's up? You are muted, Al. Oh, what's up, Andrew? (laughs) What's up? Uh, Not a lot's going on in Thunderland. Oh, 2K ratings came out. 2K ratings came out. What do you think uh, of that? What did you? I mean, oh man, what do you think about all those numbers? Oh, come on, stop. Like, what did you? What did you think about it? I, no, I hate 2K. I hate it. Really? I think it's uh, yeah. I think it's a terrible video game franchise um, that that has progressively gotten worse and worse over the years. Wow. Um, it's just a microtransaction uh, scheme for 2K. They have no real sure. competition, so they don't even try to make the game legitimately better. NBA Inside Drive for the original Xbox is the greatest uh, NBA game of all time. Wow. And uh, I hate 2K, and I haven't played it in probably five years. Wow. More, I was more of an NBA Live guy growing up. Yeah, but Live had its had its time in the sun. It did. Um, they it, tried to come back. It got real bad. It did get real bad. Real I bad. appreciated them for trying. Yeah, they did try. Uh, Shea's rated an eighty-eight. Uh huh. I thought that was interesting. Uh, Brandon Ing- <laughs> Brandon Ingram was an eighty-five. People were mad about that. Oh, did Seth Partnow do these ratings? These are Seth Partnow's tiers. <laughs> these are 80s tiers. No, I mean, he's also rated higher than Donovan Mitchell. Obviously, like none of this really matters, but I just thought that was kind of interesting. <laughs> that there is a perception outside of OKC that he's a better player than yeah. you know, Donovan Mitchell, like better than Bam Adebayo, better than Brandon Ingram, better than Jamal Murray. You know, that's just interesting, you know. That just super that, interesting. Just that, okay. <laughs> just that there is a perception that Shea is better than all those guys. It feels like a homer take. Would all is all that I would say. And yeah. that like more like somebody that's obviously not based in Oklahoma City is you know doing these ratings and say like you know what Shea is just a better player than those guys. I just think so that, you're, that is interesting. 
so you're saying that when the Thunder have to trade Shea, because they do, um, they should get a bigger return than do. the Jazz got for Donovan Mitchell. Just look at the 2K ratings. I think that's something that, that Sam should bring up in trade negotiations is the 2K ratings. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, anything else going on? I'm trying to, I thought there was something that happened. So they're, the Thunder players are all, most of them are together. Right now, mm-hmm. 13 players are uh, all together doing these runs. Um, I don't know. Dort looks swole as, as all heck. That's cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just like summertime videos where like just, I don't know, don't take a lot away from them. It's cool to see. Like it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch our boys playing basketball again. But just like remember hoodie mellow whenever you're trying to use these as evaluation tools and like, don't do that. So yeah, I did it with Baisley last year. I believe he had a, he had a really nice play single play. Yeah. Baisley looked good on Evan Mobley in this video. I was just like, Oh cool. Yeah. Don't, don't take, don't take anything away from that. Um, Poku playing in the pick and roll. I don't know. Just, I don't know. Don't, don't use it as an evaluation tool. It's uh. It's never a good thing to use the summertime as an evaluation tool. Uh, speaking of summers, what about Summers of Sam Volume 7? Volume 7. When we started this, we thought we were going to do four a week. We did. We were, we were wrong. I, th- I think there were 16, and so we are like, we can do it in a month. Yep. And we have no now way. slowed to a crawl. This is probably going to be 2019 Part 1. <laughs> Honestly, it, it might be. There summers is of Sam so much to Part unpack. 7. 2019 part one uh 2019 if you i I did 2019 as a whole Mm -hmm. with uh trill bro dude on his podcast you know ball shout out because this summer just because we're not going to talk about the rest of what happened in the nba but this was a crazy summer like one of the most it's up there with 2016 with 2010 like it is amazing this is obviously the the summer that KD gets hurt. Yep. The Raptors win. KD and Kyrie go to Brooklyn. Anthony Davis gets traded to the Lakers. Uh, Jimmy Butler goes to the Heat from the Sixers. Kemba Walker goes to Boston. And then that's and that's before even getting to everything that happened in Oklahoma City. Yeah. I lived on Twitter that summer. I don't think I saw my family one time. I think I just saw Twitter scrolling all summer. Yeah, and it was really the like like the idea of F5 season really exploded in 2019 because you had so many like quote unquote sources or sourced people on mm-hmm, Twitter. Mm-hmm. And this was the real explosion of that. Yeah. Um, like Ari Abraham is the big one. Where he, which I, I have some stuff on that, um, which I might repeat. I brought it up on, uh, you know, Bob, but I might bring yeah. it up again. Cause it, it, it was very funny and it was all about Kawhi and Paul George. Yeah. Um, but for the Thunder's perspective, you know, we talked about how last year, 2018, uh, the, the season of fun, question mark, mm-hmm. or no fun. To this team's credit, they did win more games. They won. They went 49 and 33. Mm-hmm. As late as March 3rd, they were the three seed yeah. at 39 and 24. They finished 10 and 9 yeah, and end up being the sixth seed in the Western Conference. It's it kind of crazy to think about. They, I mean, if Paul George doesn't get hurt, if he's playing the same MVPG the entire season, this is probably like a 53-54 win team. Yeah, it was an absolutely miserable end to the season. 
It was, except for the fact that we land the Portland Trailblazers as our first round opponent, which at the time, Yusuf Nurkic out for the season. I was even reading back and apparently like CJ McCollum was dealing with like some injuries heading into the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Um, There's questions whether he was at 100%. And we're looking at this team like, okay, like, like they got they got can't play Cantor over there. Yep. This is the dream scenario. Yep. We were so excited. By the way, guys that we were excited about in the offseason, Timothy Luwawu Cabarro played 123 minutes that season. Okay. Um, just letting that letting that breathe a little bit. Terrence Ferguson played two thousand minutes for this team. Wow. I mean, that feels yeah. kind of crazy. <laughs> um, good for him. You know, Abdul Nader played more than Hamadou Diallo. They did acquire Markeith Morris, which we were very excited about. Very um, excited. I mean, we'll probably go down as like the biggest uh, buyout guy in OKC history. I feel like I can already predict that Yeah, uh, going forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that, that seemed like a big deal when it happened. Yeah, it did. Um, so, we, so we end up in the playoffs. We're the sixth seed now going against the Trailblazers, who even though they had all these injuries – the thing you forget is that they did end that season very strongly, which is the reason we were playing them because they were the third seed. Mm-hmm. And so we go into the series. We're feeling great. Lose both of the first games. Win game three. It's like, okay, hey, the series doesn't start until okay. the home team loses, Andrew. So, uh, <laughs> But then we lose game four. We, we, get like, we get beat pretty soundly, I believe, in game four. And then the close game in game five which, of course, ends with Dame's buzzer-beating shot. And uh, not my idea. Andrew has something he'd like to share with you. Yeah, so they did lose game four, 111-98. to uh, yeah, Which is yeah, just yeah. horrifically embarrassing. You know, the, this team had fully unraveled by this point. You know, we had kind of wondered, like, even the, the Utah series, it was they'd given themselves a chance. You know, in some ways, with a game five comeback, like they still Showed had like some, some fight. they had some life in them. They did, but this team was just lifeless. It was so bad. Westbrook in that game four, fourteen points, nine boards, seven assists on five of twenty-one from the field. Like, yeah, I was, his on? stats for that series were kind of interesting because we're so used to Russ in the playoffs being like, yes, he's going to have bad efficiency, but he's going to average some absurd number of points in that blazer series which by this point you know Melo's not on the team like the third best player at least in terms of scoring was dennis schroeder schroeder yeah schroeder um, had 17 points who, in that game who in that series though i think was only at like 13 yeah. then you had like adams around 11 jeremy grant was around 11 in this series russ only averaged 23 9 and 11 on 36 32 89 splits. Yeah. He, he was making his free throws. And uh, PG, for as bad as he was, he still averaged 29, 9, and 4 mm-hmm. on 44, 32, 82. Like, if either of those two guys just hit some threes, which you would expect more of Paul George, may, this game, pro, this series probably goes at least six. Yeah. I, I still don't know if they were ever going to win just because, as you mentioned, uh, a zombie team by this point. Yeah, they were. And it's just, you look back, and you can see why the Thunder are building the way that they are now. Where It's like, well, let's, let's get guys that can, everybody that can do stuff, please. 
Because they just they played Terrence Ferguson in game four that they got pummeled almost 33 minutes. And Ferg is he just does nothing. He he really didn't to the point where in the uh exit interviews, Raymond Felton actually had a quote about like, I'm gonna get in the gym with Ferguson this summer. I'm gonna t- teach him how to like do something off the bounce. Yeah. So that he I can be more that. versatile. Because like even they knew it. Because he yeah. would just stand in the corner. And yeah. he actually like hit his threes. He I think he actually like shot like you know 36% or whatever in this in the series. Um but it, it was always on like low volume and he wasn't doing anything else offensively. Yeah. You know, like even Robertson, for as bad as he was shooting, like he had developed some other things he could do. Mm-hmm. You know, he became a very good cutter. Um yep. He he did other things to help the offense work, whereas Ferguson was purely about spacing, but nobody really like uh, opponents weren't guarding him like he was Duncan Robinson or something. They didn't guard him and, like and he was he, there. They didn't play they didn't play him like he was an NBA player. Right. And he wasn't running around like Duncan Robinson. He, like he he put no stress on defenses at that time. No. Yeah, in game five, Terrence Ferguson and you know Apologies, Terrence. You don't really deserve to be just crapped on like this. But uh, he played 30 minutes and had and he took one shot. Yeah, one. It's like, what are we doing? Like, what? What's which, which, like, you here? can withstand that when it's Robertson and he's giving you like all world defense on the other right. end. Right. You can justify it to yourself, even if it still probably <laughs> isn't working. Yeah. Anyways. But with Ferguson, yeah, it was much harder to make that case. You just can't have guys that don't do anything on the offensive end. Like and are like I don't know, slightly above average defenders, maybe even av- an average defender. I mean, that's what he was. So, I mean, you just can't you can't do that. So, and you know, like Dort obviously can do a lot of things offensively. I mean, even Baisley in comparison to Ferguson. He, at least like, he's doing stuff. He is he is definitely doing a lot of stink, a lot of things. All right. So I thought All I right. would I would put us back where we were emotionally a little bit. I have the last three possessions of this Blazers game in Portland. And it's uh it's painful. So uh you know, <laughs> and enjoy the pain. Damian working on Schroeder, goes right to the rim between defenders, a reverse right hand off the window. Are you kidding me? Yeah. We're tied at one fifteen. On that one, he wasn't gonna let OKC keep the ball out of his hands. Differential of about eight on the shot clock. End game clock. Westbrook into the lane on Aminu. Forced up a shot. It rolls off. Rebound achieved. In a tie ball game, Damian will bring it up the floor with 14. You want the last shot. Damian clears midcourt. He's got 11. Tied at 115. Crowd rising to the feet. George will defend Lillard. Spread floor. Lillard with 47 tonight. Working it down to two to one. A deep three. Oh! Unbelievable. I remember just sitting on my couch just in disbelief. The Thunder should have won that game. I went back and watched like the last five minutes of it this morning. And the Thunder should have won that game. You know, they let Dame just basically stroll to the basket to tie the game. And then Paul George, who had hit a jumper to put the Thunder up two in that prior possession, 
you know, should have had the ball at the end, not Westbrook. You know, Paul is like nowhere to be seen. And this happened a lot in the Utah game, in the previous elimination game. Yeah. Paul was nowhere to be seen in that game. And he had like put himself out of the play. What are you what are you doing, PG? I mean, that was great. I mean, that's crazy. That was crazy. And then you know, I had forgotten like how quick the wave was. You know, from from Lillard like live, it's just like like and then he's done. But yeah. like I've seen the slow motion wave so many times that it just makes it feel like he sat there and mocked them for like a full <laughs> minute or something, you know. Uh my biggest takeaway that was uh, Kevin Calabro. Yeah. When he was he was the announcer on NBA Inside Drive back on the uh, original Xbox. Shout so. out to Inside Drive. Shout out to Inside Drive. It all goes back to Inside Drive. <laughs> uh yeah, that was that was a miserable series. It was. Um because of how we felt about going in, but also the way in which they lost, which you know, one of the big things we're about to talk about is how before everything goes down with PG and Russ in yeah. terms of trades, the big narrative around the Thunder was they're going to trade Steven Adams. Yeah. And it and it made sense coming out of that series because you're like, we got rid of Ennis Cantor, who just like d- destroyed Steven Adams to the point where Sam Presti in his exit interview, which like Sam you know what Sam's like. He, like, he doesn't sh- typically show like a ton of emotion in yeah. these type of interviews. He came out and said like, we got our asses kicked. Yeah. Like yeah. it was an embarrassing loss the yes. way it went down. If that team loses in six or seven and whatever, and they, and they show some fight, it's, you feel different, but coming out of that, the way they lost, we felt we, I don't really feel like we were talking yet about blowing it up. It was more just right. like dejection. Like, what? What is? What is this? What is going to change this team ceiling at this point? Like, we have everything. To that point, Paul George was first team All NBA, third in MVP voting. Russ was third team All NBA. We mm-hmm. had two All NBA players on that team. Yep. We got our wish with getting rid of Carmelo and Jeremy Grant was starting. We brought in Dennis Schroeder, who was playing minutes. Like, we still had Stephen Adams. Like. Mm-hmm. That team should have been better, and yep, and yet they they somehow it got worse from the Utah series. They're like uh, one, so of, want, one of the one of the great Thunder teams on paper. Yeah, it was, and so we're going into this summer now. We're oh, by the way, the team has like an exorbitant luxury tax bill. Yeah, so it's not like there's a ton of flexibility. I mean, they have contracts, obviously, to make deals, but they had. They had also traded away those picks right. for Ennis Cantor and Deion Waiters, so it wasn't like they were flush with future draft picks to make right. some crazy trades. So uh, Kendrick Perkins, I, I'm sure this was on ESPN, he said, uh, this was after this loss to Portland, he said, you have to make a change. Russ keeps getting all the blame. Billy Donovan has to get the blame. He lost a 3-1 lead in the Western Conference Finals. He lost three years in a row in the first round, and nobody is saying anything about Billy Donovan. Fair, fair. Uh, uh, Steve Thunderfan, Stephen Dolan, he actually did a poll at this time. Mm-hmm. Thunderfans, where are you at on Billy Donovan? Keep Billy, fire Billy. At this time, this is April 29th, 2019, 65% of the fans wanted to fire Billy. 35% fire Billy. wanted to keep him. Yeah. <laughs> fire Billy. And then uh, Russ, in the exit interviews, 
he said, uh, there used to be conversations about if I was a ball hog, but now I lead the league in assists for the past three years or whatever it is. That's getting squashed out. So now the conversation is about shooting. Next year, I'm going to become a better shooter. Which I don't want to spoil anything. But that that did not happen. Well, uh, to be fair to Russ, he did have one of his most efficient years ever in Houston, but it was not because he became a better shooter. Right. Uh, and then, just insult to injury, literally, uh, May 7th, Woj tweets out ESPN sources with Royce Young. OKC's Paul George underwent rotator cuff surgery to prepare to repair right shoulder tendon and minimally will miss start of training camp. Yep. Also, Russell Westbrook had procedure to repair torn ligament and finger on his left hand. So this, like, it's bad at this point. Because now we're thinking, like, this team, of course, you know, they went finished the season 10 and 9. Yep. Now there's talk about cost-cutting moves going into the draft. And... Paul George, like, minimally will miss the start of training camp. Like, what if he's not back till January? And we just have this team with Russell Westbrook and a bunch of guys who aren't ready. Like, what is this team going to be? It started to get really scary when you started to look ahead. But at the same time, we felt locked in. Like, obviously, we're, you keep these guys. Like, I wasn't really thinking at this point, now it's time to blow it up. Yeah. No. I wasn't. Because, because Paul George had signed that long-term deal. Right. It's like, we got these guys. Like, we got two all-NBA guys. You have to do something with it. Yeah, it felt like we were locked into this team. They've got to get some shooting. And it's it's just like the <laughs> same thing that we've been saying for like our whole lives, it felt like, you know? Yeah. So maybe we should go to the draft next, because I think that is how it went chronologically. Yes. Um. So all the talk leading up to the draft was – either about OKC shedding salary. Yeah. Oh yeah. Using the using the number 21 pick which they had at the time, which by the way they won a uh, coin flip with Boston. Yes. So Boston could have been 2021 20, instead Boston was 20 and 22. Yeah. OKC was 21st. So Jake Fisher had reported that Stephen Adams, Andre Robertson, Dennis Schroeder all very available at the moment. Yep. And that they were trying to dodge the luxury tax, which after seeing what happened in that Portland series makes sense. Yep. Um, what was interesting to me, though, is that looking at the mock drafts right before the draft, because there were some rumors about the uh, Thunder promising Matisse Thibel, like yeah. in the weeks up to the draft. Yeah, I remember that. And I think that honestly was just like, oh, somebody got promised and, and he can't shoot. <laughs> it right. must be. Okay. This guy feels very thunder kind of <laughs> yeah. situation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although you know, maybe they're looking for a Robertson replacement if they're if they're getting rid of Robertson, Gosh. whatever. Like thinking about that now yeah. just feels so maddening. Like, what yeah, do we is. do? What, we want to. Why are we trying to replace this guy? You know, we're just looking for someone who really just can't shoot and can't really do much on the offensive end and can only defend. Like, can we just find one of those guys? Like, no, stop! Please stop. Uh, so I looked at three different mocks, Sam Vecini, Jonathan Wasserman, Jonathan Gavoni. Their final mocks, they all had the exact same player going to the Thunder. Do you remember who it was? No. It was not Matisse. It was Nick Claxton. Interesting. Who, who ended up going at the beginning of the second round. But every single one of those guys had Nick Claxton, which I thought was interesting. That would have been, been good. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> Again, if we're getting rid of Steven Adams, you know, that could be the replacement. Yeah. <laughs> Another center yep. who no chance he's ever going to shoot. 
um, but still a good player. Yeah, a good player. Yeah, I like. Nick so Jackson. I did think it was interesting what Sam wrote about Bings at this moment because you could. I mean, you can tell people because you were doing with your pods with McKelly at this point. Yep. How uh, how long was your pod that you did on Darius Baisley in preparation? Zero zero minutes, zero seconds. <laughs> Didn't even talk about it. Didn't him. even consider him. Didn't even no. barely knew he was a human. <laughs> who who were I, I'm assuming Brandon Clark was I like, a popular name at yes. that time. Yeah, I like Brandon Clark quite a bit. I like Grant Williams a whole lot. Yeah. At the yeah. time. That was one of my guys. That was a guy that I had hoped that they would take because I thought <laughs> excuse me that grant could step in and play right away and i thought he could play power forward i liked his touch he didn't shoot a lot of threes at tennessee but i always thought that he could shoot it and it's like one of my rare wins on that because he ended up being pretty good yeah that would be nice um because in retrospect you know you look at this draft and we, we've we've gone through the summers of sam now for a while yeah and there's been a lot of picks like this, you know, where you, you take someone in the late first round, but there's not really anyone else in that region. Mm-hmm. This year in particular, starting at pick 21, you got Brandon Clark, Grant Williams, Nasir Little, who yeah. is coming, who started coming on last year. I like him. Jordan Poole, Keldon Johnson. Probably we're never going to take Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, Nick Claxton was the first pick of the second round. Like th- there were some guys. Not not like you missed out on a star guy, right? Necessarily, um, but there were definitely some guys who would have helped this team. Yes. Yeah. And looking back, like Quite if they had kept it together, I mean, of course, Jordan Poole wasn't Jordan Poole for a few years. So that no, Jordan Poole worked. was horrific. <laughs> it was really bad. Um, I don't actually know because, like, Keldon Johnson, it took him a while. Like, none of these guys probably would have solved anything immediately. I mean, definitely not. But uh, there were some guys. Interestingly, in those same three mocks, I just thought it'd be interesting to tell you where uh, they all had Dort going. Yeah. Vecini had him going 36. Wasserman had him going 37. Gavoni had him going 34. Like, not even in the 40s. Like, they had him as early second-round pick. Wow. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. As As we learned. definitely deserved to go higher than that yeah that i mean that's an amazing get to think back on that to get a guy that you could start at any point and feel good about it i mean that's pretty impressive to just sign him that night um as a two-way guy that's pretty impressive and to be clear like Bayes wasn't necessarily a reach either. Like uh, Vicini had him going 29. Wasserman had him going 22 to the Celtics. And then Gavoni also had him going 29, which was yeah. to the Spurs. So it, it was his range, um, which, you know, <laughs> I, I almost feel like uh, this is on you and McKelle for not even uh, giving him a, it's an a, episode. It's a yearly tradition that we don't do an episode <laughs> on whoever they're going to take. Uh Vicini wrote about Baisley because, uh, of course, like you said, like I didn't know anything about Baisley. Part, of, said, part of why we didn't do anything on Baisley is that there's no real footage on him. True. Yeah, there was nothing. So this was what Sam Vicini said in the run-up. He said, Baisley has real momentum toward hearing his name called in the first round. He's had strong workouts with teams, and they believe in his combination of athleticism and shooting ability. I think I'm at the point where I would be surprised if he didn't go in round one. The question is where? 
Spurs are thought to be fans, but Baisley could end up rising beyond this and potentially even hear his name called in the late teens to early 20s, which is what happened. Yep. Uh, do you remember uh, the, the draft party? Yeah, it was a great draft party. It was at the Banquet Cinema Pub, which is not open anymore, but it was an incredible yeah. venue for it. I wish that it was still <clears throat> I wish that it was still open. However, I think we have outgrown it, but it was a great venue for it at the time. I'm sure a lot of you that are listening were there. That was a great party. That was great. And it was it was hilarious because we were all chanting. Do you remember the name that the crowd oh. was chanting? Bull Bull? Bull Bull. We all <laughs> wanted Bull Bull. You know, Bull Bull showed up to the draft wearing like a spider, spider suit. Cool, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, all right, we, we really need this guy now. Uh, but yeah, it was a it was a wild night. I think we, we were all chanting Bull Bull. And then when Baisley got picked, like we're all watching on this giant projecting projector screen, and it was just like a collective, who? Who is this? Because it just says... Darius Baisley, USA, is <laughs> yeah. what it says. And you're like, we just took a guy who's just from the United States, like didn't even play basketball this past year. And then, like, anyone. And then you like do a quick Google search, like, oh my gosh, he's the New Balance guy? They took the New Balance kid? Oh no. Like, what is this? You know? <sighs> yeah. And, and, and of course, it's coming off of a trade that they make, where yes. they trade that twenty-first pick to Memphis, who takes Brandon Clark, and they send back a future second. Which I'm, I'm sure we—I wonder if we still have that second or not. It's yeah, a Memphis second in twenty twenty-four. Um, here's the part I did not remember, and this was actually said on the OKC Dream Team Pod, Andrew, mm. by by one Royce Young. Mm. He said the Thunder were pretty engaged on Cameron Johnson and Tyler Hero. But once those players were picked, they decided that they wanted to move back in the draft to select Baisley. You wonder, because remember, the the Suns picked, I think, at 11, and it was mm -hmm. seen as like a huge reach. Oh, yeah. It, was a, like, it felt like a disastrous reach because he was 23, Cam was. Yes. And he was projected to go around 23. Like he was projected yes. to be in the range that the Thunder were in. He was in the and Luka Samanich, Goga Batadze range. <laughs> yes, he was. And it, you just wonder, like, if the Suns had a real scouting department, which we've since learned that they don't even care about the draft, right? Would they have made that pick? Now it ends up being a really good pick, but the process behind that pick was like. <laughs> James Jones finding a guy that kind of played like he did in the NBA <laughs> and taking him way too high. Again, it turns out to be a great pick, but if they had had just a normal scouting department, does he fall like all of the mock drafts had predicted? Yeah. And is Cameron Johnson on the Thunder? Which that is a guy who legitimately might have helped them instantly. Would have, yes. Would have played. If, if they had Russ and PG. Yeah. This is another draft where you have the bitter beer face range just like screaming at you like in hindsight. Cause like you have the top guys like Zion, John Morant, RJ Barrett, DeAndre Hunter, Darius Garland. It's like, oh, that's a pretty good top five, you know? Yeah. And then six through 10, Jarrett Culver, Kobe White, Jackson Hayes, Rui Hachimura, Cam Reddish. Brutal. 
It's like, that's so bad. But then you get to, um, what do I call it? The bitter, Well, it's the opposite of the bitter beer. Sweet spot. Sweet, sweet spot. The sweet, sweet spot. spot. <laughs> uh, what do I call it? Um, <laughs> Cam Johnson, PJ Washington, Tyler Hero is 11, 12, 13. It's <sighs> like, wow. Yeah. Uh, remember Sekou Dimboya? Yeah, I think about Sekou a lot. Because <laughs> because there's these certain guys, I'm, I'm always watching like on YouTube, guys yeah. are ripping basketball packs, you know? Because, yeah. oh, by the way, I, I went to uh, the grocery store. Mm-hmm. They never have sports cards because the market no. is like so insane. Yeah. Except for this one time. No. And not only did they have sports cards, but they actually just got Prism basketball in. Wow. I bought three boxes, Andrew. Wow. $90. And I wanted to text you to do a live opening, but I was too excited. <laughs> Could, so I couldn't just, even type. Just, and it would have been fun to rip because I got uh, two parallels of Trey Mann. Oh, nice. Very exciting. And I also got an Isaiah Livers Christmas sweater swatch. Really? Lame, lamest card. Like a a sweater completely unaffiliated with Isaiah Livers, just wow. a random Christmas sweater. Okay. Anyway, there's some hype behind Isaiah Livers heading into this season. By the way, just is there? They're like like he could start for the Pistons. Hype. Okay. All right. Well, I'll hold on to it. So Pass hang it on down to, to that. my son. Hang on to that. <laughs> um. Yeah. So that that was the draft. Um. But oh, but yeah, what I was saying is that like Sacred and Boya always gets picked, like like drawn out of cards, and he's mm-hmm. just one of those guys that like within a year his cards were valueless. <laughs> like within a year, it was like this is there's nothing to do with this anymore. He's out of completely out of the NBA. Usually, you could hold on to a guy for a couple of years, and oh, let's see if something happens with him. You know, like Jordan Poole is a classic example. You hold yeah. on for a few years, and he explodes. Seku, it was like honestly probably less than a year where you're like. I don't think anything's happening here. Yeah, he went. This might be. He went fifteenth. He was kind of like, uh, who was that guy who screwed the Thunder with the Clippers and is no longer in the league? The guy who played in the final game, the tanking game, the tank off oh, with the Clippers. Gosh, how do I already forget his name? I mean, he's know. a legend. I don't know. It was a painful, painful. I game. mean, Kevin Gelly was another one who yeah. was quickly gone. Was a guy that that McKelly and I really liked. Daniel Oturu. Yeah. Yes, Daniel Oturu. <sighs> All right. So that was the draft. And, uh, you know, responses to the draft weren't great for the Thunder. He got a D plus. They got a D plus from uh, Bleacher Report. Yeah. Um, now, it is worth noting, um, he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was definitely uh, something to get excited about. Yeah. That's um, cool. Got a C plus from SI. Yeah, no one was really excited about this pick i would say in general i mean yeah. how could you be like what, what, what be? we didn't know anything yeah uh you know who selected right after darius uh with pick 24 i don't know I ty, don't know. ty jerome oh yeah ty jerome yeah i didn't mention him earlier yeah but i i do like ty jerome future thunderman yeah and he was also he ended up getting rerouted to the suns right yeah it was a sixers pick uh rerouted to the suns so yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. When it's time for me to find a job, I went right to LinkedIn Jobs. They helped me find the right employer, and it was, man... Very, very easy process. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com dunk. That's linkedin.com slash dunk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. So that was the end of that draft. It kind of is underrated kind of bummer draft. It was deflating because it was, it felt like at the time, especially since they had swapped 21 for 23, that Brandon Clark, Grant Williams, like to me, it was like, what do you, what do you do? Like, those are two guys that could have helped you and you had your pick. Yeah. But the, when you look back, it's, it's that they were both juniors. But Grant was a young junior. He was only 20 at the time. Yeah. Like he's like a year and a half older than Bays. You know, Brandon Clark was almost 23. Like that one I can completely understand, but And to be fair, like yes, Brandon Clark had a really good rookie season, but his second year was really bad. It really wasn't until this season, yeah, when it became clear like both of those guys are going to be in the league a while. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause we, I mean, I remember like as recently as a year ago, we mm-hmm. were like, like December of uh, 2021 mm-hmm. where we were feeling like, okay, bay, like we got bays and, and a pick for Brandon yeah. Clark. What or we could have 24 year old Brandon Clark. Right, exactly. Yeah. 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 No yeah, more, no more, no more victory laps on that one. Everybody. Yeah. No more victory laps. Stop that. Uh, Okay, so that was the draft. Moving on to free agency, which, uh, like it always does, starts right around the uh, turn of the month at July 1st. And, uh, Andrew, where was Sam Presti when free agency opened? In this summer of Sam, when he was about to blow up the entire team, (laughs) Paul George was about to get traded, Russell Westbrook was about to get traded, complete reset of the franchise. Where was Sam Presti when free agency opened? He was in a rental car driving to see our man Mike Muscala in Minnesota. <laughs> yes, he was <laughs> on his doorstep. Oh, did you reread the Brett Dawson story on the? Athletic? I did not. No, that's just great because like Mike talked to to Brett and just talked about how he didn't really know what to do. Like, do I have food out? Do I have bottle? Like, what do I do with Sam Presti coming to my house? Like, it was that moment that you realize, like, Mike is just like the most normal dude ever. You know, he's got an apartment. He he just doesn't know, like, what am I supposed to? How do I how do I have Sam Presti over to my house? You know, do I have a spread? Right. Like, what do I do? It's just so funny. And you know, to the Thunder's credit, we mentioned how they were so screwed with the tax at this point. Yeah. But the first two moves they make, Mike Muscala, and then we learn on July 1st, they're signing Alec Burks. Yep. Like, those two guys, considering what their options were at that point, if they weren't going to make a huge trade, which we'll talk a little bit about, like, the Steven Adams thing, but those were two players who actually would make a lot of sense with a Russ and PG team going forward. Would have helped immediately. Yes. Yeah. Both good and productive players that are still playing today. You know. Yeah, and like Alec Burks, he can actually like do some stuff with the ball. Yeah. And if you just sub him in for Terrence Ferguson, mm-hmm. like that's a significant upgrade for that team going into the next year. It was a big upgrade. Yes. So, you know, we'll never know. We'll never know. Frozen uh, in oh, time, but, I, Alec but I wanted to mention so on June twenty third, so this is a few a few like a week before uh free agency started, Matt George which, don't we know a Matt George? We did. We went to school with a guy named Matt That's George, but not this Matt George. This is not the, this Matt George. Isn't this the Sacramento Matt George? Yes, this is Sacramento Matt George, Sacramento reporter. He tweeted out, I've been told by a couple of different sources now that OKC's asking price was too high for Stephen Adams. Speculation is that they wanted a package headline by Bogdanovich, mm. who the Kings aren't interested in moving in that deal. Now, this is Bogdanovich. This is Bogdan who was traded eventually, mm-hmm. well, I guess not traded, but he was signed by the Atlanta Hawks. Hawks. But, yeah, tampered, uh, again, with by the, tampered with by the Bucks, signed by the Hawks. Yeah. That's right. He would have been amazing. Like, that would have amazing. been truly an amazing deal if they had gotten off of Steve Adams' contract and gotten bogey. He is what Alex Abrin- what we thought Alex Abrinas was. Yeah. And there were other teams, there were other rumors at this time about Steven Adams and there were a, there was a lot of um, I would say fan interest in trading for Stephen Adams. In fact, there was a uh, I found a Reddit post that was like, uh, "Our man Andrew Schlecht wants to trade Stephen Adams for Kevin Love. What do y'all think about this?" You know, <laughs> so <a> post like that. <laughs> so, so that's what you were trying to get at the time. 
Yeah, that would have been great too. You know, but again, with with all of these guys, it's shooting, shooting, shooting. Like shooting. We just you it was so shooting. obvious coming out of that first round series. Like we, even though Paul George takes almost ten threes a game, we yeah. have to get more shooting. So we can't they, just rely on Paul George. Yeah, they need spacing. And if you think about the center rotation without Stephen Adams going into that season, had they held everything together, it would have been starting Nerlens Noel and bringing Mike Muscala off the bench. It's like that's yeah. that's fine. It would have been fine. Yeah. Um, so there was some. I, I saw some other teams. Like I think Atlanta was one of the teams that was mentioned uh, with Adams. Mm-hmm. So you have to assume that there probably were conversations at this point. Because this is before they got Clint Capella. Yes. So and it's just yeah because they had to trade him because Russ was on the team. Yeah, yeah. Eventually. Uh, but yeah, it's funny how like Adams ends up being the one who stays. Everyone else leaves. Everyone else and he's the gone. one who stays that one more yeah. year. Uh, so all that brings us to. July 5th, 2019. I didn't get the timestamp on this. Do you remember what time of day this was tweeted about this? The Paul George trade? Yeah. It's in the middle of the night. It was at like, it was like 1 a.m. Do you know who alerted me of the Paul George trade? I do. It was the L man. It was the L man was texting me and calling me. And I happened to wake up and I look over at my phone and I have like three missed calls from the L man. And I'm like, somebody die or something why is l man calling me at one o'clock in the morning and then i see like the espn like notification or whatever it's like paul george traded and i just and, and specifically it was oklahoma city is trading all-star paul george to the los angeles clippers for a record-setting collection of draft choices that really it it like it was it's just that, like the sinking feeling just like what they're doing what but <laughs> Like, it's crazy because if that had just started off, you know, they're just trading Paul George to the Clippers. Like, I think my very first reaction would have been like negative, like, oh my gosh, where this is really happening, blowing it up. When you saw the record setting, though, my brain like instantly switched. Mine did not. Oh my gosh, what could this possibly be? Like, how many (laughs) picks could we have possibly gotten? And my brain was already like, the wheels were turning, Andrew. Yeah. Yeah. But, But you were a little sad. It sounds like. Yeah, I was just, I thought, I, I was a big Alec Burks guy, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's that's the reason why. Oh, the dream. <laughs> the dream of the Alec burks Muscala lineup that will never happen. No. <laughs> um, so, the, so the deal, and I'll, I'll kind of have like the updated deal. So obviously they get Danilo Gallinari, SGA, 2021 first, Trey Mann, 2022 first, Jalen Williams. A 2023 Miami first, which is now a 2025 lottery protected first that becomes unprotected in 26. The 24 and 26 Clippers first, and then the 23 25 swap. It's kind of crazy. We are now how many years removed from this trade? This is three years now. Yeah, three years. And we still have three firsts and two swaps coming. Yeah. Just from this deal. Well, Bobby Marks wrote this piece today about like. Like dr- ranking like draft capital or whatever. Like you have to remember oh, yeah. within that that it's like the Thunder have already picked some. You know, yeah. like some of these picks have already gone away that they had gotten, and like Utah, Utah still has like a ton of mystery boxes. So, right. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I I I, I was one, and some people on Twitter have asked me like, how would you rank kind of like the unprotected picks out there? Like, would you rather have? Forget the years because the years kind of make it 
different, but it, would you rather have like unprotected future Minnesota picks, Cleveland, Brooklyn, or Clippers? Like, how would you rank those four? Um, I think up Minnesota would probably be at the top. Really? Still. See, I, I think I'd go Brooklyn still. Yeah, I could, I could see it. I'm just thinking like how poorly they've been run for so long. Yeah, but new owner. We both like Ant. He's only like 21. I know, but they have find, found ways to. Remember how we felt about the Wiggins and Towns? Like I don't know. That's just where I just I don't know. They, so how would you rank the rest? See, I would rank Cleveland last. Those are the ones I would want. Cleveland's least. Cleveland last, yes, and then maybe Clippers third, I guess. Yeah, probably yeah, I, Brooklyn. Probably Minnesota, Brooklyn, Clippers, Cavs. Yeah, the Clippers are really interesting because they have the Brooklyn thing where you're you got the old stars, which is what you want. Yeah. But the downside is the new arena, which I think is coming in twenty twenty five, and just like the richest owner in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You could easily put them last if you wanted. Which which that could work to our advantage though. Because, like, they're bulking up their roster to the point where if this, like, becomes a, like, just way too old team in the yeah. future, maybe those contracts just aren't valuable. Yeah. Like, it, it's nice for them looking ahead to the future because you're like, well, they're always going to have something they can trade to bring in someone else. But we'll see how those those guys hold hold their value, like Norm Powell, like guys like that. The fact remains, like, they are still the Clippers, you know. They're not the Lakers. So... You just want okay. Would you? But would you rather have unprotected Lakers picks? Yes. yes. But, but also, <laughs> who has a better chance of getting free agents? Still, it's still the Lakers, just because they're it's the Lakers. Lakers. Just because they're the Lakers. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. The the Thunder have the twenty twenty six unprotected Clippers pick, and that one is remains pretty juicy. You know. Also, the Rockets picks, while they're not unprotected, the 24 Rockets, is it top four protected? Yeah. Like, that one is, like, is uber interesting, you know? Yeah, a listener sent me an article about uh, the possibility of the double draft kind of being reignited. Yeah. Um, which kind of makes sense because if – if there's a new CBA, something like that would be in a new CBA. Yeah. yeah and you just kind of hope that it wouldn't be instituted until 2024. If that happened, like, I don't want to, I'm not going to say what it would be. Okay. Cause it's hurt us in the past. But if Houston lost their pick mm-hmm. in the double draft year, mm-hmm. that would make everything worth it. Yeah. Like the Thunder could have like the seventh or whatever pick in that draft. Yeah. You know, because there will be other teams that will be trying to tank for the double draft, and by that time, Houston and Houston may be good by that time. Who knows? Like Houston, it could it could be the seventeenth pick. You know, yeah. Yeah. But anyways, uh, so that night, you pull up Instagram or whatever at the time. I don't think TikTok was a thing then, but maybe it was. But you start to see these videos. Of one is Patrick Beverly celebrating the Paul George trade, which is like more salt in the wound. And then you see PG celebrating the trade too. Um, so here's those. Talk to us. Price is just went up. Don't talk to us. Don't talk to us. Oh, looks like my boy is coming with me to LA. 
<laughs> Where are we going, cuz? We coming home. We coming home, cuz. They're very excited. It seems like he was very happy. Rubbing it in our face. And so, and then a couple of days later, Rachel Nichols does this interview with Paul George. This is before Sam talks to everybody. Um, and here's a here's a clip of uh, Paul George and Kawhi talking to Rachel Nichols. You stood on a stage with Russell Westbrook just last summer, said, I'm here to stay in Oklahoma City. That was a year ago, though. You signed a four-year contract. What changed to get to this point where you said, okay, I'm ready to go. I'm going to ask to move on to Los Angeles. This was nothing that came out of the blue. We were all on the same page. The initial plan was to give it another year, see what we could do. I did that. We played another year. Felt like we were just stagnant. And, um, you know, the next thing was, you know, let's... Let's go forward and, and go on with other plans. And um, again, it was mutual amongst everybody. I think it was just a win-win across the board when we all looked at it and thought this was the best moment to, uh, to pull the plug. What was it like, though, for you to talk to Russ and say, hey, I think it's time. I think I'm going to move on, ask to move on. I mean, it was, it was easy, same conversation me and Russ always have. You know, he, he was happy. Um, he understood. Um, you know, and, and he was all for it. We talked as men, and um, you know, again, he was happy for me, and you know, he, you know, he wanted me to do what was best for me in my career. So, Paul says that this trade was mutual. They sat down and said, "You know what? Like, Paul, we're ready to get rid of you." He's like, "Yeah, I'm ready to go. It's all mutual." Here's Sam Presti's response to Paul George talking about the trade being a mutual trade. The, I know that he had he had he had used the term mutual. Um, I, I you know I don't I wouldn't necessarily agree with that because that would infer that we we were wanting to to trade Paul George, which I think most people would agree that that probably wasn't on, on the top of our offseason priority list. Um, but I would say that it was not adversarial at all, uh, and I also uh, fully respect um, the way that it was handled. Um, and the fact that we were able to make it work in a way that benefited the franchise, um, you know, made it something that we could that that we could do. Yeah, Sam is the master. So he like does like these like little sarcastic like jabs throughout it. You know, yeah. I would say that trading Paul George is not on the top of our priority list. But then he like goes on to say like how like the process of trading him like was very professional yada yada like he he's just the master is he was was very good um but it's just funny to look back at that because i don't think thunder fans even have ill will toward paul george because like these moments i didn't have them like right in my recall you know like i did with like a lot of the kevin durant stuff um i think a lot of that is like we don't have like the same frustrations with paul that we did with you know Kevin leaving, I think, and, and part of it is that we got SGA and a billion picks and whatever. And well, honestly, I think a bigger part of it is that what are we really losing with Paul George? True. Like he hadn't brought us anything. We just like, lost we, in five games <laughs> in the first round. Yeah. Whereas like KD, even though like his he didn't shoot great in that playoffs, like he had led us to a Game Seven Western Conference Finals, and it felt like we were that close to breaking through, and then so you close. lose that. Where it's like with Paul George, like what did we really lose? Right. Let's yeah. be honest. Yeah, exactly. Hey, we might have to do two part 
2019. No, we can't. Why do you have to go? I do have to go. Oh yeah. my gosh. I know. So how, how much time do you have like a few minutes? Or you, I've, I've no. got maybe a few minutes. We can talk Jeremy Grant. Well, no, I want to wrap up Paul George. Let's wrap up Paul. Yeah, let's wrap up Paul. And then next week we can talk about the rest trade. Because I just feel like we need to like really devote a good amount of time to that. And then um, you know, talk about CP3 and all that. So yeah, let's let's wait. Uh, let's devote so some time to that. I just thought this was interesting. So Bruce Bruce Arthur of the Toronto Star reported yeah. that the Thunder before they traded Paul George to the Clippers had talked to Toronto and same kind of deal where Toronto is trying to keep quiet, obviously, and trying to see if they can get Paul George to pair with them. Yep. OKC asked for Pascal Siakam, mm-hmm. Fred Van Vliet, mm-hmm. and four unprotected first round picks as a starting point. For yes. Paul <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is a uh, pretty wild. Now this is really interesting too. Going back to Kawhi on May 28th, the the odds had him going to the Clippers. He was a minus two hundred. Yeah. Toronto was a plus one twenty five. Knicks plus two eighty. Golden State plus three twenty. L A oh. plus nine hundred. Sorry, Lakers plus nine hundred. Yeah, plus nine hundred to the Lakers. Wow. A month later, June twenty eighth, just a couple days before the Paul George trade happens, Toronto is the favorite, minus two fifty. Clippers are second, plus one ninety. Wow. Lakers are third, plus three hundred. Wow. This kind of underscores like how crazy this entire like Kawhi saga was. No one had a feel for which, it, which yeah. is easy to forget about, but mm-hmm. it was wild. Like yeah. Chris Carter, the Hall of Fame wide receiver, <laughs> he was like the Kawhi whisperer at this time. He actually tweeted the news out simultaneously with Chris Haynes and minutes before Woj. Yeah, I remember that. So and weird. uh it was it was just very weird. You, we mentioned Ari, Ari Abraham earlier. Chris Broussard is another one who was like very prominent during the summer. Yep. He tweeted out things like, "I've heard Kawhi is Laker bound." Person close to him told me today that no decision has been made. We wait. Then he said, "Kawhi update: Raptors had strong meeting yesterday. Drake heavily involved. Uh, Kawhi in deep soul searching. Once Lakers, but wants to make sure Big Three will fit and work. Clippers out." It's between Lakers and Raptors, very close. Then he, on June 30th, he tweeted, Kawhi is Lakers to lose, I'm told. Not done deal yet, but Lakers are his top choice. Like, it was, there was, and there were people that confident about every team. Yeah. Like, Jalen Rose said he was 99% sure Kawhi was going back to Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, so. That's, I think some of that's part of just like Kawhi and just how strange he is. Yeah, for sure. You know, and that he's not really telling people what he wants to do. And, and in fact, like he may be telling he he may have told people these specific things. Like, yeah, I'm going to the Lakers. Yeah, I'm going to well, the, I, going back to the Raptors. Yeah, and just to just like throw people off. Like, who knows? Yeah, it feels like he is like super locked down, but at the same time, there's so many people who think they have like an in with Kawhi who think they have somebody who knows Kawhi and yeah. that makes people super confident to say things like this. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's uh, no way. but yeah, so that was the backdrop that was leading to the Paul George. And as a reminder, Kawhi called KD first. Yep. He called Jimmy Butler second. Yep. He called Paul George third. Yep. MVP. Uh, <laughs> G. Third uh, in the MPP voting. Well, let's go to that. This is Steve Ballmer. Just so fired up. This is where my intro for the Friday pod came from. If you are somehow unaware of it, um, I'm going to play 
uh, a little bit of this press conference. Love you, Darren. I have these notes, but I got to say, I'm just fired up to be here today. It's pretty cool. Pretty damn cool. I'm, I'm just delighted. You know, I'm proud of what we did last year. We had a hell of a team, played the right way hard, gritty, tough, resilient. That's what the Clippers are about. And I just, it was a great season. Great season. 48 wins. Great season. All right. <laughs> he's just unbelievable to me. I, I wanted to get to more of it, but it's just too long. I forgot how long he talks. Um, He's just so funny. He claps so hard. Like he just you know, he like claps with his face. Like his face just like looks like it's clapping. Dude, um, I think he's like the ideal owner. Like if, oh. if I if I just got to pick my owner, I think yeah. I'd pick him because he's so rich yes. and he's such a character, but in kind of like a like funny way. Yeah. Like and he lets and he lets he puts smart people in positions to do things and he lets them do their thing. Yeah, he's yeah. he's amazing. Um, okay, I've got to go, but I do want to leave you with this. This is from the night that we recorded. We recorded in the middle of the night about Paul George being traded, and this was a prediction from Michele Barrow. This will lead into Volume 8, which will be the Russell Westbrook trade, but we will leave you guys with this. There is a team that can put trade package together for, for us, but surely Alex doesn't want to hear about him, about them. Come Houston? On, yeah, they can. Who? Why would they? No. Who? Yeah. Oh, like, like we would want CP3 back? As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.